Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Mark Dreger on line. Mark, how are you? I am amazing. Michael, how are you doing? I am great. Really looking forward to this conversation and just to clue people in. Mark and I have been talking for probably 10 minutes before. I probably should hit record, but that's <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll, we'll continue the banter in here and you'll get a flair for it. So uh, for those that don't know you, why don't you share a little bit about you and then we'll dive into the conversation. For sure. So uh, like, like you, uh, I'm, I'm up here in Canada, uh, but I'm a, a branding and positioning expert. I've owned a creative agency since 2006, and I'm also a podcaster. I'm the host of a show called We Do Hard Things that you can find on YouTube and all of those regular podcast apps. Yeah, I keep seeing, and maybe it's just universal, and it's just maybe it's something that's in my DNA, but doing those hard things make the other things easier. And a lot of times, I think people just try the easy route and they make their lives harder. So yeah, yeah def- definitely, uh, I definitely recommend people, you know, listen and subscribe to your show because, you know, that's, yeah, that's the key. You know, it's like, you know, eat the frog first. I mean, there's so many different quotes and sayings and all of that, but there's a reason why it's because it's true. It's like, do those hard things that you dread and are putting off. And then you realize majority of the time for me anyway, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Unless well, it's unless it's going it, to the dentist, you know, then it, it is bad. But no, I'm kidding. I'm, not, I'm getting. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I I really do not enjoy going to the dentist. <laughs> but but here's the thing: you have to do what you have to do, right? Like you you brush your teeth every day. Do you feel like it? I don't know. You shower every day. Do you feel like it? I don't know? At a certain point in my life, I, I exercise every day because because I lost seventy pounds, and I realize now that I've lost all of this weight, I feel so much better. Doing those hard things are not only the things that you have to do, but it's also how you build confidence. It's also uh, where pride comes from. It's also what takes you to the next level. And you're right. If you proactively decide which hard things you're going to face, when the hard things you don't choose come along, you're a little bit better prepared for them. I talk about that a lot with burnout prevention and stress management and all of that. It's like, we're not going to eliminate stress. Then there's unless you are just completely oblivious to life and don't pay attention to anything. There's always going to be some kind of. There's actually there's actually no medical way that I'm aware of to eliminate stress. I had a Stanford professor on my podcast who wrote a book and has spent all of her time researching dopamine and what Mm -hmm. happens in our brains. Mm -hmm. And even in those moments of euphoria, let's say that you could go from dopamine hit to dopamine hit to dopamine hit. Even our brains and our chemistry is actually built in such a way to dump on a bunch of negative stuff afterwards just to try and balance out. So if you're trying to live a stress-free life, uh, it's, it's almost like um, medically impossible because even if you could be as even-keeled or as peaceful or as dopamine-filled or as euphoric as possible, at a certain point, your brain is going to try and balance that out and it's going to dump a bunch of negative stuff there just to cause stress to your body. Mm-hmm. So here we go. <laughs> there's yeah. no avoiding it, right? Yeah, there's no avoiding it, but there's ways of you know making sure you are your best self to be able to navigate around it or through it. And 
again, it's, you know, voiding it just makes it even worse. Like, okay, well, you didn't get that message. Okay, well, let's do this. And, you know, the amygdala just starts piling on and you're like, oh, I was having such a good day. Well, you know what? A good day and a bad day is up for interpretation. And yeah, there might be some challenging things that are going to be bigger. But like you said, you know, if you understand what's going on, um, and, and get to just understand who you are, I think it makes a big, big difference and helps you really navigate through life. You know, even when there's so many external things going on in the world, like we see right now. Yeah. If you want to be negative about it, go ahead, but yeah, that's not going to help you out. You know, look, look for the things that you can control and the things you can't, well, navigate around them or through them how, the best you can anyway. So your show, Let's dive into why I always like asking fellow podcasters, why in the world did you want to do a show? Uh, <laughs> well, um, you know, this was actually my third podcast. We Do Hard Things is my third. My first uh, was in my kind of, let's call it zone of genius. Uh, since 2006, I've been running a, a branding and creative agency. And uh, so I got my feet wet in like 2013 or 14 by, by doing a podcast on how to build like an amazing video production company. And uh, that really just came from being a fan. You know, I've I've been listening to podcasts since like 2007 or 2008. I love the medium. I love the connection. I just wanted to try it. And so, for anyone who's like who thinks that this sounds like fun, um, it is fun. <laughs> I don't know about you, Michael. It's like it's like a lot of fun to connect with people and chase your curiosities and 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 have a bit of a platform and and um, be able to learn stuff. And so I did that. And then I I did a second podcast with my good friend, Evan Carmichael. Some people may know him from YouTube. He has like 4 million subscribers. And uh, and and I've known him for, oh gosh, a very long time, since 2007. I actually shot his first YouTube video. And so we did that. And then now We Do Hard Things really just came from the fact that, that, that frankly, uh, during the pandemic, um, I, I know that you're the burnout expert, after running my agency for like 13 or 14 years, I got like so burnt out. Uh, I had built the company in such a way that like I was the key man. So it's like nothing happened without me. Everything happened through me. I was responsible, like every leader, I'm responsible for all of the bad things and typically don't take credit for any of the good things. And the pressure of running a multi-million dollar agency with 24 staff and just year after year after year replacing revenues and keeping up with payroll and all of that stuff, I got like super burned out. And in that, in that valley, in that, like, in that burnout phase, in that valley where it's like, I just don't want to do anything anymore and I just can't do anything anymore. And, and, and it eroded my confidence. Um, I questioned what I was doing and I just felt like I needed to be around some people who had been through a valley. You know, people who have done some of the most remarkable things in business, in, in creative, in athletics, whatever it might be, the people that we admire, that you look up to, that I look up to, no one is born that way. No one is like, no one just emerges from the womb, <laughs> like ready to be a badass. They've all gone through the ups and the downs. They've all chosen to pursue their passions. They've all stepped out with courage. Uh, they've all had to fight the fear and the doubt that comes from others or even in their own heads. And they've just had to just at a certain point be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to face the hard things. I'm going to face the challenges. I'm going to be scared, but do it anyway. And it's just like, please surround me. I, I just need to surround myself with these people so that way I can see that I am not alone in this, that, that 
other people are like me, that other people have constant fear and constant doubt and constant uncertainty, but, but some of them choose to keep moving forward. And I just wanted to, to leech their confidence and their secrets from them. Yeah, and that's, that's a beautiful thing that you discovered that you know, the people that have done it before you you know, leave clues and typically are really generous with their time and sharing, yeah, this is what I've gone through. Yeah, I've had those deep, dark moments, even, you know, multi-million or even approaching billion dollar status. You know, they've had some struggles and potentially even some struggles in the last year or two. Um, it, it's just, it's not like, once I get this, I will quote unquote, make it. Um <laughs> Make it is, uh, it's up for interpretation again, but I, I think for me and everybody else is like, you know, what's your definition of success? What does that look like? Is that where your life is now? If it's not, what do you need to do to get to that point? If you don't know, then you find out from people and mentors and idols, you know, they're again, and this is where the podcast really comes into play those people are usually pretty generous. And of course, there's going to be the handful of the really, really um, infamous type of people. It's very difficult to get them on on shows, especially if they don't do it. But the ones that do, yeah, you can usually reach out to them and, and find them because they want to talk because they understand that this way is getting them exposure to a new audience, as well as going back to what you said about you know, learning on this podcast. I mean, I'm constantly taking notes on the guests that I've interviewed and uh, it, because I've had personal growth and just learning something or somebody said something like, you know what, that gives me a great idea. Case in point, yesterday I was interviewing a guest that's in the jewelry business and I got to go back and listen to it because it's off to my editor and all of that. But I can go back and listen to see exactly what I said to her because she said, you just gave me a great new idea for a new business line for me. I'm like, it's like, okay, I've yeah, got a like, couple, what? what did I say? <laughs> I've, I've got a couple rings. I've got a, a wedding band and another ring. It's like, I'm not wearing anything else because of all the, my travel and stuff. I don't need to set off the alarms because getting through the airport is entertaining as it is. Let's not add any complexities to it. But it's like, okay, so I got to go back and listen to it. But just having a conversation, it can spurn an idea or give somebody an idea. That's why I always tell entrepreneurs, instead of parking yourself and watching Netflix all the time, you know, watch some educational YouTube videos or listen to some podcasts in your commute or at the gym or wherever you're going to grow. You're going to hear something and it's an amazing, amazing way to do it. And it's also an amazing way to help get you through those funk periods or those down periods or the self-doubt, which I have, you've had, everybody has them. We're like, am I actually making a difference? Then you get a note from yeah. somebody. I spoke at a conference earlier this week, got an email from somebody that said, yeah, could I wasn't able to download your the handouts for some reason. Could you send them to me? Of course, absolutely. I'm going to send you some handouts. I'm going to send you more information than what I was providing, right? Because you took the time to reach out to me and ask for this. So there's a, probably a situation where you're looking for something. So I'm going to give you more. If you use them and it makes your life better, awesome. Guess what? Great. If you want to bring me in to work at your organization, even better. But I'm least helping people. And that is a feeling that is priceless. And yeah, your you, show and you know, you know, the work you do. What's, what's interesting to me, um, I only learned this about 
a year and a half ago. Most of us, if, if I asked you what type of learner you are, most people know that there are visual learners. And the vast majority of people think that they're visual learners when they're not. And of course, there's auditory learners. There's people who, who can learn through listening. And I tend to be more auditory than, than even visual. Uh, and there are learners who, who require someone to like teach them to like, you know, I'm going to break this down for you step by step by step. I'm going to show you what to do. You're going to do it. You're going to model it like, you know, like actual learning and development type stuff. But there's this extra category of learning, which I never realize is what I am, which is um, I, I learn through exposure to people, like just watching what they do and listening to them. And so, for example, years ago, years ago, we got a, our electrical panel in my house replaced. And I am a pretty darn handy person. Like, <laughs> like I do my own renovations. I do my own plumbing. And I'm like, hey, electrician, do you mind if I just stand here and watch you all day? And I just watched him for the day and I asked him questions and I asked him, you know, like, why do you, why do you wrap the wires the way you wrap them? Why do you do that? Why do you use this tool? Why do you do that tool? And I just asked a bunch of questions, poked around and then, um, never hired an electrician again <laughs> because just those like six or eight hours of being around the person who does it. And then I could teach that to other people and that's cool. But I realized like, like mostly when I'm listening to stuff, or if I'm watching a documentary, or if I'm reading a memoir, I love memoirs from actors, from musicians. I love learning about music history. I am constantly, just by, by the way that I think, I'm like filtering these stories and this information into not only what's relevant to me, but I'm always putting it into, into practical business lessons for myself. And there's this other way of learning that people tend to overlook. Yes, there's some visual learning. Yes, there's some auditory learning. Yes, there's always a place for going through a course. But for anyone who's self-employed or an entrepreneur or responsible for making their own way and their own money, chances are the way you actually probably learn is just from kind of watching or modeling others, grabbing the bits and pieces that you feel work best for you, and then just running with it. And the quicker that we can kind of understand this, the more we can kind of structure our days, our lives, or the content that we kind of consume, the masterminds, the environments we're in, the coaches we hire, whatever it might be. But the, the faster we realize this, the more we can focus our time and effort not on Netflix. Or maybe it's Netflix, but maybe it's you know, a documentary. Maybe it's a series. Maybe, maybe it is a TV show. But you know, I was watching Big Bang Theory, and I had the biggest breakthrough because in one episode, Penny and whatever his name is, her, you know, they were fighting about her acting career. And it's just like, oh, there's, a, there's something there. And, and that's how I learn best. And that's also why the podcast is, is a great medium for me. You know, it's a great example. And, you know, I want to make clear I'm not uh, against Netflix or Disney Plus or Hulu <laughs> or Paramount Plus or the 18,000 other subscription services we all have. And, oh, yeah, we still have cable, too. So I always tell people. You do not have cable. Do you have cable? No, no. Okay. No. <laughs> I, I haven't had cable in a long time. Um, no, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, I stream what I need to stream and all of that. And, you know, the, the antenna, I did have an antenna and that broke and I haven't replaced it. It's like, I'm not going to, but you know, other people use it as a way to unwind and that's yep. fine. You, you, it's all about finding your harmony, not balance. Whenever they say work-life balance, it's like, that's trying to balance an egg. It's like, is it going to stand? If it stands up on its own, throw that egg out. You do not want to eat that because eggs aren't supposed to do that. Um, but unless you smash the bottom of it and you do it for a picture or something like Instagram worthy, I guess. But at the end of the day, figure out 
the way, and I love that you brought up this example, that you learn and create situations where you are constantly learning something, either to be better at something or to learn something new. Yeah, you know, I watch biographies and history and, you know, used to bore me when I was younger, but now it's like, oh, wow, because there's stories in there. There's how somebody overcame a situation or how did they do this or came across an interview the other day with Sir Paul McCartney and he was talking about writing songs with Lennon and some other things that he did and how he, you know, in, you know, worked with, you know, Clapton on something, or um, I think he, he was so excited to meet Nirvana when Nirvana was still around before Kurt died. And I'm like, wait a minute, Paul McCartney, the, the Beatles is so excited to meet this young band called Nirvana. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, it, it just gives you a clue. It's like as famous or infamous people are, they're still people. They're still fans. They still get excited about things, whether it's. Hey, who, why does, why does Elton John have that, that radio, you know, the Apple radio one show. And why did, why does he call up people like Dua Lipa when she starts to make the charts and it's kind of rising and say, Hey, let's do something together and collab. It's because these people have a passion for their art or for their craft. And, um, you know, I, again, I love learning about music history, even bands that I'm not really that into. And uh, a few weeks ago, I finished reading Phil Collins' memoir. And he talks about meeting Paul McCartney. And he said, one of the most interesting things to me is he said that he could tell that Paul McCartney has spent his whole life understanding that he is a Beatle. And anytime he meets someone, anytime he works with someone, he knows, he, he just, he has to carry the burden of knowing that he is that person to every single person he meets for the rest of his life. <laughs> and right there, it's like that one, that one comment, that one thing, that like one little aside, like in aside, like when I met Paul McCartney, like I could tell that he, he comes with, he comes, he comes carefully. He comes with respect. He knows that he's intimidating. He knows that he carries this, this, this um, persona on his shoulders. Okay, well, what can I learn from that? What can we learn from that? You know, I, I, my day job is I'm a, I'm a brand strategist. We help people, like we help entrepreneurs and coaches and consultants. We help people with personal brands or corporate brands figure out how to connect better with their targets. So that way they can grow their audience, they can grow their following, they can sell more product, whatever it might be, move up the pricing, increase ROI. Our job is to help connect people with those that matter most to them. And so it's all about psychology. It's all about um, making deeper connections. It's all about storytelling. And all of these other people that we can look to, whether the people I've on the podcast or the stories that you read or the stories that I read, um, we can learn lessons from them because they've all been through this before. And, and why wouldn't we take the time, especially if they take the time to write it all down and gift wrap it and hand it to us, you taking the time to curate which guests you bring on and which conversations you have. You're like, you're like gift wrapping the best of the best information and you're just handing and it's just all sitting there waiting for people. And then on top of that, how much work we have to do to get people to even listen or read or, or consume that stuff. It's all there waiting for you. That's what excites me most about what you do or what I do or what Paul McCartney does. <laughs> It's a fun thing. It's fun work that we get to do. And it's there are days that, yeah, it feels like that W word work. And there are other days where it just feels like 
I'm enthralled and amazed that we get to do the work that we get to do. It's like, wow, this is really, really cool. And isn't that isn't that what success is? You you said earlier, like, hey, how you can all define success and for some people, it's money. For some people, it's security. For some people, it's prestige. And mm-hmm. listen, I like money. I like security. I like prestige. I love all those things. Mm-hmm. But the moments where I realize that I get to spend pretty much every day um, doing the things I have to do, sure. Mm-hmm. But the things I have to do are also the things I like to do. Like they support one another. And, and the fact that I just get control of my life and I get to structure what I want to do and I get to help people and add value and, and feel like my work matters, to me, that's success. And it sounds like that's what you get to do each and every day. Yeah, I, my definition is to be able to do what I want, where I want, and when I want. And I'm able to do that. And every morning, I wake up and I go, okay, what day is it? Because sometimes I forget. If someone takes my calendar away, I'm dead in the water. I wouldn't know who, what, where, why, or how. But I always joke that if, if I had a choice between oxygen and my calendar, I would think about it for a second. Uh, <laughs> that's how important my schedule is because I that you know it, it keeps me in line to know. Okay, oh, I have a podcast interview. I should probably get back to the condo, uh, or it's like okay, that's coming up. Great. Otherwise, like, what day is it? It also helps me just you know frame my days as well. So it, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, and I love the work that you're doing as far as helping entrepreneurs, you know, get their messaging right for the right people that they want to work with and for the people that want to work with them. That is so critically important. And it's not easy work. It's hard work to kind of figure out, okay, what exactly are you looking for? Because many entrepreneurs, they're focusing on, I need to make money. Okay, great. All right. What do you want to do? in order to make that money? What, what do you want your product or service to do? What are you trying to serve? And asking those deeper questions, it's not something that happens a lot in society these days. It's usually a first question and then everybody makes their judgment and away they go. And in, in branding and impact, it's that first impression that makes a big difference. But behind the scenes, there's got to be a whole lot of questions asked to, to make sure that that first impression is uh, what it's supposed to be. And, and not just the first impression, the second, the third, and, and all the way through. You know, in my experience, um, there, there's this myth that entrepreneurs are these people who are fast talkers, who will say anything, get people to buy into these big visions, make it happen. And, and maybe at a certain level, like maybe there's this Silicon Valley approach to entrepreneurship or, you know, like when I started my firm in 2006, I wasn't an entrepreneur. I was a, I was a small business owner. And and, and up until, I don't know, maybe when Gary Vee made entrepreneurship like this thing or, or even side hustles, like that wasn't a term. I just, I wanted to start a business and I started a small business and then I was a small business owner. And suddenly it's like, oh, now I'm an entrepreneur. But, but in my experience, we are way more badass than we put out there. Everyone's afraid of like over-promising and under-delivering. Everyone's afraid to make like brand promises or even any kind of promise at all, even if it's like, I'm going to take care of you, don't worry, like that kind of promise. They're, they're afraid to because they're worried that's, that operations or that, that something will go wrong or um, that they may not live up to the expectations or whatever it is. And so at a certain point along the way, it seems to me that people got afraid to make bold claims, big promises, and then work to deliver on those things. It seems to me along the way that, that, that business has, has gotten really 
kind of corporate and safe to the point where you look at a website or you look at someone's messaging or their ads or whatever it might be and you go, what are you talking about? Like, like what are you talking about? I, I don't care about that stuff. And so most of the work that we do is, is actually like, <laughs> we spend more time and effort trying to get our, our customers comfortable and show them why they should have courage and be bold. And we use data and market research and a whole bunch of stuff where if they were just like, if they were just, if, if they came to me and said, Mark, I am ready to break through to the next level and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get uncomfortable. So just tell me what I need to do. Our work would be cheaper. It would be faster. It would be more effective because we spent so much time trying to, trying to show our clients. And I need this myself. You may need this yourself, but like just prove and show that it's worth taking this, this step forward, this bold claim. And, and, and here's a perfect example. I have a client who runs a $70 million company. We've worked with them for 10 years. When we took them through a brand strategy, uh, I found out that pretty much their number one why, like the main purpose, the main driver is they will do whatever it takes to deliver on behalf of their customer, including taking on all the risks of the project. And that last thing is a really big thing, right? Like they will, they will finance the project for the clients. They will overinvest to make sure that it's right. They will fix mistakes before the clients even know about it and cover the costs themselves. So they will do whatever it takes to deliver on behalf of the client, including taking on all the risk. And when they go through the design process, I said, it looks like you guys do like endless iterations of work, right? Like you may only quote for three rounds of, of, of changes or design or whatever it might be, but, it, but, but looking through your project history, it looks like you do eight versions, 10 versions, 12 versions, and you don't change the prices. And they go, no, because we do whatever it takes for the client. I said, why don't you offer unlimited revisions then? Oh, no, 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 no. We can't offer unlimited revisions, but you already do that. Like you already are so committed to the, you have so much value and you're so committed to the clients. And when people work with you, you just want to produce the best work. You're only charging for three rounds, but you're giving them eight or 10 or 12 or whatever. You're already giving them unlimited revisions. So why don't we just tell people we offer unlimited revisions? Well, people will take advantage of us. Well, you don't work with people who will take advantage of you or you fire them as clients or you, or you move up your pricing to account for the fact that they keep coming back and it's more and more and more. But why not make the claim? And so that's just one story of one client, but, but I've been doing this for 16 years. We've worked on thousands of projects with hundreds of companies. And every single time we go to do something for someone, we bump up into this kind of comfort zone. And, and this is where like, the, the, the education, the learning, the leadership being surrounded by amazing people. This is where it all helps us to, to show up as a bigger, better, bolder version of who we need to be. But when it comes to business, when it comes to branding or, 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 or marketing or advertising, we need to carry that into what we're doing and not be so square, corporate, and bland. And, and safe. And the comfort zone is one of the most dangerous places you can be because then, you, then you'll gain that 70 pounds back and then some. So yeah. uh, if, if you've taken anything from this conversation, people, is the world needs boldness. You know, from Mr. Bold in San Diego. Hi. Hello, sir. Hope you're doing well to a company like Hammett who makes handbags in California and they have a lifetime guarantee. These are expensive bags. You know, and that no questions asked, you know, you, you damage it. Guess what? We'll send you a brand new one. Why? 
because they stand behind their work. And, and when you do that, uh, you're going to bring in the right customers. You're going to bring in the right clientele. You're going to grow your business. And you know, working with teams like what Mark does is going to make your business grow even more. So Mark, I've loved this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and all this awesome work you're doing? Well, if you want to check out the podcast, uh, look it up. We do hard things with Mark Drager, or you can head over to YouTube, my YouTube channel at Mark Drager. You can give it a watch. If you want to find out more about what we do as a branding and creative agency, you can head over to Fanta.com. That's P-H-A-N-T-A.com. We'll definitely have that in the show notes. So great to talk to you again, neighbor. And thank you so much for all the amazing work you're doing. (laughs) Thanks, Michael. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.